morning, Gator Nation. Welcome to the spring game recap episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at All Kinds Weather and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Dustin Smith. You can follow him on Twitter at I-A-K-O-W Dustin. He also runs a recruiting handle, so you can follow him there at I-A-K-O-W Recruiting. So while Dustin sets up his mic in his car, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. For those of y'all who are new listeners, the Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses those donations to bring someone to his or her first ever Florida Gator football game. We pay for flights, rental car if necessary, hotels, game tickets, and gear, and we make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime, and we have announced that we are going to be doing this for the Missouri game on October 8th in the swamp. We are looking for someone to send to the swamp for that Missouri game in 2022. We have not yet picked a candidate. So if you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor, please reach out to us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. And as always, we are looking for donations. To donate to our cause, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the Donate button. And while you're on the website, you can also look around the site and see some of the campaigns you've done in previous years to get a better feel for exactly what it is we are doing. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients, whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. Number one, it is a veteran-owned business. Can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country then by giving the business and number two it's run by a florida gator fan so yes they do great work but they do great work and they're owned by a florida gator fan who happens to be a u.s veteran to learn more about their services and rates go to stingraybranding.com so we do have a lot to talk about here today uh with the gator spring game wrapping up last thursday night the gator spring season wrapping up last thursday night First up, though, as Dustin keeps his, yeah, Dustin's getting his mic set up for us. A um, few quick orders of business. We are the Everything School. Got to shout out a few sports that have been doing very well recently. First and foremost, Gator Men's Tennis wins the SEC with a perfect 12 and 0 record. They are the number one seed in the SEC tournament coming up this week, and they should be one of the top two or three ish seeds in the NCAA tournament. That kicks off next month. I mentioned them first because that, that's probably going to be the best shot Florida is going to have at winning a national title this academic season. Florida currently is ranked number one in all the major polls. The only way they won't be number one overall in the NCAA tournament is if they somehow slip up to either LSU or Mississippi State in the first round of the SEC tournament as Ohio State and Michigan are also very good. But nonetheless, they are going to be one of the heavy favorites to win the national title again this season after doing so last year. They have the number one singles player in the country right now in Ben Shelton, the coach's son. Um, They also have a second player ranked in the top 25 in the country individually in singles in Sam Riffis. So, that's two of the top 25 singles players in the nation. Number one, Shelton, and Riffis sitting at 23. So Division One tennis, uh, for perspective, has 350-something teams, six singles players each. That's over 2,100 different singles players. Florida's got two of the top 25 on its team, and they've got four of the top 90 on its team, and they're the defending national champions. Um, and of course, remember that three of the best players last year in Shelton Riffis and Duarte Valle all could have reasonably gone pro after the season. And they all chose to come back for one more season because they wanted to win back-to-back national championships for the Florida Gators, very much like the O4s did in basketball some 15 years ago. So definitely worth paying attention to them this spring. Second, shout out to Gator Gymnastics, a tremendous season that just did not end the way we all wanted it to, but nonetheless, a fantastic season. Uh, They did finish as the national runner-up. That's nothing to be ashamed of. We all wanted the national title, um, 
but that's still a very good season. Some shady scoring by the judges at that national title meet, but it is what it is. It, it's, it's irritating, but nonetheless, these gymnasts definitely upheld the Gator standard, and they were the SEC champions, so that's, that's a title. They hang banners for that. That always helps the prestige. So congratulations to the gymnasts on a fantastic season. And lastly, Gator softball picked up a road sweep at Mississippi last weekend. Um, not a tremendous Mississippi team, but probably a team that's going to be hear its name called when the NCAA tournament selection show happens in a couple weeks. And beating them three times in a row on the road is a pretty nice sign. A weird thing is Florida actually fell in the rankings after that sweep. Uh, I mean, somehow they, they were ranked number nine heading into that weekend. They beat Mississippi three straight times for a sweep, and they fall to number 10 after completing the sweep. Uh, I'm not really sure how that happened. But anyway, big weekend series with Arkansas coming up, and that'll tell us a lot more about them and uh, what this team is made of as the season, as the regular season winds down to a close. And with that said, time for the feature presentation. Dustin's on. Dustin and I uh, both sound a little different today. It's because I sound different because I have COVID. I'm, I'm fine. It's just a cold. Um, but I sound different for that reason. And Dustin sounds different because he's in a car. But nonetheless, we are both here today to talk about the Florida Gators spring game, plus a little bit of basketball as they've made a bit of news recently in the transfer portal. Uh, Dustin, I know you were there on Thursday night. How was the environment? So the spring game was amazing. Um, I mean, I've been to spring games before, and I mean, the last spring game that I went to was in 2019. It was it was pretty good, but there was just something different about it. There's there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about this uh, the new coaching staff and, and Billy Napier, um, and there had to be at least uh, at least 35,000. I'm I think the 45,000 estimate was pretty optimistic, but there was definitely at least 35,000 there. And there was, it just felt, it, it, it just felt like the right environment. Um, one thing that, that really stood out is they had a massive band. The band was um, in a different location. They put the band kind of where the visitor band usually is. And so um, where I was positioned in the South end zone was right there by the band and just seeing the band, uh, get into it and hear the, the fight song and, and, and all the, all, all the, all the, the sights and sounds and smells of being at a football game. It just felt real great. Um, and I'll just say this, I was right behind the area where the recruits were. Um, in my immediate vicinity was, um, sort of some of the, uh, the staff members for, for the, um, the groundskeeping and then some of the, uh, the paramedic staff, um, so I wasn't super close to the recruits where I could talk with them, but there, there were, I've never seen that many recruits in the South end zone um, since maybe the Alabama game last year. So it was great to see them. They all had, uh, you know, big eyes. They were, they were looking at everything. They had big smiles on their face. Uh, it was just a great atmosphere to be a, a part of and experience. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, we haven't had a spring game since 2019. Uh, I mean, the one yeah. the one season, 2020, I don't think anyone did. The last season, uh, decisions were made that, let's just say, a lot of people did not like, myself included, and we'll we'll just table that there and, and walk away from that particular discussion. But uh, we, have, we have a lot to talk about about the game itself, including uh, the, the play of some, some players that we haven't seen in great doses until this spring uh we have some photos to talk about from that game we'll get to that i know you're very excited to share a little bit more about um the photography aspects of that game as you you kind of you kind of went viral for the shot you took we'll talk about that in a second uh, but before we forget there has been a lot of news gator basketball wise that i don't think we should pass up an opportunity to talk about todd golden the new Gator basketball coach took over a roster that I look, I, I, I know it's always fashionable to, to just shred the guy that didn't do a great job for you and then left for a rival that, you know, you now have reason to not like, I know it's fashionable to rip on him and put this new guy on a pedestal. But the fact is Mike white did not leave a great roster 
for Todd Golden to take over. He left him with a team that had a lot of transfers playing their graduate year that were presumably all going to leave. Uh, they started coming back. You know, the news came that Colin Castleton was coming back for one more year. Uh, Myron Jones announced he was going to come back for one more year. That's all great. Still a lot of work to do on the recruiting trail for Todd Golden. And in exactly a month, I mean, the, recording this on the 19th of April, he took the job exactly one month ago from yesterday. In the one month he's been on the job, he has made three big splashes on on the transfer uh, the transfer portal trail. And he's gotten Florida some real talent now. He's gotten Florida Alex Fudge from LSU. He's gotten um, – Trey Bonham from BMI, Virginia Military, and he's gotten Will Richard from Belmont. Uh, th- those were three, for different reasons, uh, th- those were three very, very, very highly sought after um, transfer portal targets, or at least Richard and Fudge were. Bonham is more of an under-the-radar guy. But those are three very nice pickups for Florida. Uh, I wanted to give you the chance to share your thoughts on them and what you think about the job Golden has done as a builder so far. Yeah, well, I think that that Golden is doing an excellent job. Obviously, we want to see more in, in terms of the uh, the recruits um, coming out of high school. But these three transfers are, are going to be a good fit for the program. Um, you know, when I when I just just off uh, first inspection, um, as I, as I like to say, uh, they they bring a lot of size. Um, if you watch their their film, they bring a lot of intensity. Um, obviously, Fudge. Somebody who who, um, who who made an impact for LSU is one of the better teams, the tournament team. So he has that experience, um, and obviously for for reasons, um, he decided to uh, take his talents to a different program. And I'm certainly happy that we have Fudge. Um, the other two kind of come from from uh, lesser known schools, especially with Richard. I, I with Will Richard, I, I think that he's uh, he's somebody that that is definitely going to make a splash. Um, when I found out that Richard was going to be a Gator, it really, it really made me excited. So we, we will discuss um, every player in, in further detail um, as we get closer to um, basketball season, which uh, the new coach can't, can't come soon enough. Um, it'll be November before we know it. We'll be talking Gator basketball once again in full detail. There's going to be reason to talk about them too, beyond just the, uh, the obligatory eye roll. And well, here we go. Another campaign of the mid-major Mike show. We know what's going to happen. We know they're going to lose some terrible games. They're going to win some great ones and they're going to lose by the round of 32 or more recently, just not make the tournament at all. Um, but that's, that's gone. And that's, that's really a, an amazing feeling as a fan. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to know exactly what Florida got in uh, Alex Fudge, because we know the talents there. That's not up for debate. Uh, he didn't really do as much for LSU as I think a lot of their fans thought he was going to do. I think they thought of him as a guy that was going to produce more uh, in, in the ensuing years of his career there as opposed to uh, what he did as a freshman. But, I mean, the, the wingspan of seven feet even is is pretty problematic um, when it comes to other teams trying to move the ball around him. Um, he's already got the speed. He's strong enough <clears throat> to contribute at the SEC level. And, uh, oh, yeah, he grew up a Gator fan, which is always cool. And somehow, with quotations around the word somehow, uh, there was a team west of Florida that just decided to drop in and take him that – you know, they, they paid him. That's, that's what happens. I mean, there's no, there's no point being around the bush. LSU dropped bags and, and they got Alex Fudge away from Gainesville and two Baton Rouge. Apologies, by the way, for continuing to clear my throat. That's, that's just what happens when you have COVID. Um, But yeah, so Fudge is certainly talented enough to make a big impact for Florida. Um, He needs to take a few steps a little bit more offensively, but the talent's there. The potential is there. And, it, and if he can continue to grow, Florida's going to have an amazing forward. Uh, either either it's small forward or power forward, by the way. He's he's that strong and versatile. He can, he can contribute at a high level at both. Um, Will Richard came first, so probably should have mentioned him first, but, well, well whatever. Richard uh, from Belmont, 
put up some pretty nice numbers there. I think he had 12.1 points a game and six boards a game last year at Belmont. Um, <clears throat> he did play against multiple big time schools while at Belmont. So don't be fooled by the fact, well, oh, well, it's Belmont. They're just, you know, Belmont. They're in the Ohio Valley Conference. They don't play anyone good. Well, that's not really the case. Um, I mean, they, they played Vanderbilt. They played LSU. They played uh, Dayton, who wasn't terrible. Uh, they played Murray State, obviously, as part of as part of that conference. Uh, they played the Murray State multiple times, in fact. Um, and he, he held his own whenever he was put up against the big boys uh, in LSU or Vanderbilt or Murray State. He, he played very well. So – or and Furman, who by the way was one of the better mid-major teams in the country last year too. So definitely don't be discouraged by the fact that oh, it's just another mid-major addition because you know that's a lot of fans are kind of scarred by after mid-major. Mike did that by pulling a bunch of guys from UMKC and and West Ashley Southern. That's a that's a Charleston joke. I'd, Mr. Georgia Bulldog. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is not just another random mid-major addition. This is, this is a guy that can play, can play very well. He can finish around the rim. Usually, unless the size of your opponents varies by about five feet in wingspan, that's something that will translate from that level at the OVC to the SEC. So definitely, definitely happy about the fact that we got someone who could finish on drives. Um, Will Richard definitely going to be someone that plays a nice role for the Florida Gators. And last but not least, Mr. Bonham, Trey Bonham coming over from VMI. Uh, 13.6 points a game, 4.4 rebounds a game, and four assists per game last year as a sophomore. Uh, more than the stats, though, the, the articles that I've been reading when I did my research on him kept talking about the analytics, that, that he is this analytics take so to speak, like when you offer a five-star and the guy commits, that that's a take. You know, you take him in your program. This is an analytics take that that really fits all those advanced metrics that Todd Golden and his staff are going to really pay attention to. So the, the the stats are good. The tape is is fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong that he looked good against all kinds of opponents, but – that, that ability to finish, I think, is going to be something um, <clears throat> like with Richard that is going to come in very much come in handy uh, when he gets to Gainesville. So three very nice portal additions for Florida basketball. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to just keep tracking, keep waiting and seeing, but at least there's some real reason to be excited about them moving forward. And that brings us to football, the sport that also – has a lot of excitement generating around it. In fact, Todd Golden and Billy Napier have been proven to be very much linked. Uh, Golden and Kelly Ray Finley were both on the sidelines last Thursday night as honorary captains and, and co-coaches for that game. So very nice to see those three programs all getting along. They're, they're working together to promote the Florida Gators as a brand and and just getting some face time on each other's platforms and you know golden also throughout the first pitch for both baseball and softball so really nice to see an athletics program where the coaches are all working together to promote their collective brand and that makes it easy to tra to transition from basketball to football on this podcast and dustin the spring game that has triggered this podcast that's the reason we're doing a pod today the spring game last thursday night i guess the place to start is with you and the fact that you 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 made waves on thursday night for a picture that you took tell us a little bit more about how that came about um and and what you saw from the subject of your photo who you can also explain a little bit more about who he is and why he was there um but tell me how that came to be yeah so Neil, you know me, you know, you know how much I love photography and, and while it's kind of hard to get some of the shots that I want, cause I'm just a fan sitting in the stands, um, all the recruits were right there by the South end zone. And I saw this, uh, this recruit by the name of Bryce Lovett. Um, and he's, uh, he was having the time of his life. You could see him kind of chatting with some of the other guys and, 
all of a sudden he just kind of stopped and just looked off into the distance. And I'm not sure if he was looking at some cheerleader. I'm joking, obviously, but I'm not sure what he's looking at, but he's just looking off. I'm like, man, this is a great opportunity. So I went in and I took a photo um, and it, the, the lighting was perfect. And I decided to put it out, uh, tagged him in it and it started to get some traction. So quite a few people were, were looking at it and, and commenting on it. So, uh, that was a special moment. Got a, got a few of Anthony Richardson as well during warmups as well as during the game. So had a, had a great time taking some photos. You know how much I love doing that. Yeah. You're pretty damn good at it. Um, you got a good photo here, of uh, of Lovett, who's one of many, many recruits in attendance. Uh, I think Lovett's going to come to Florida if I had to put a prediction on it. Oh, he's so, a Gator. He's definitely yeah. a Gator. I, Arkansas might have something to say about that. Sam Pittman's a very, very good recruiter of offensive linemen. All, all, I mean, all he's got to do is just say, look at what Georgia did the last couple of years on the offensive line. Look at all. Look at how many guys they, they put in the NFL from their offensive line. You come play for me, and I'll do that for you too. So I, I wouldn't rule them out, um, but I, I think I think he will be a Gator, um, just like you do. But he was one of many recruits who were in attendance to me, and that was one of the many things that blew me away on Thursday night. So before we talk about the game itself, I do have to very quickly point out that Billy Napier drew a lot of heat for making that change from Saturday afternoon as, as it was scheduled to be to Thursday night. And, you know, because that's just how it works on the internet, there were rival fans going, oh, you couldn't compete with, with Miami spring game or Alabama spring game, so you had to put it on a Thursday night. Well, go look at the, go look at the attendance list for that game. Um, among <laughs> others – among others, um, I mean, Cormani McLean, that's a five-star. And by the way, these kids would have all had to pick, too. You want to talk about, well, choosing to watch this game. You don't want to compete. Well, no, it's about recruits and their choice of which game they get to go to. So, uh, I mean, Cormani McLean was there. Uh, Kanija Harris was there. Uh, I mean, Brayshawn Williams, Creed Whittemore. Yeah, the, the, the speedy Aiden Mizell, a, a big-time wide receiver prospect, was there. Uh, Francis Margoa was there. Uh, I mean, just a wave of these recruits came on Thursday night. And remember why we hired Napier, I mean, aside from, well, win games. We hired him to be an elite recruiter. Well, he made a move that is going to really help Florida because now that allowed so many more recruits attend the spring game under the lights and get that under the lights experience than would have originally been able to attend had it been on Saturday as they would have had to have chosen between Florida and Alabama or Miami or any of the other various teams that had their spring games on Saturday. So I know fans didn't like it. I know it was, uh, it was a move and it, it kind of screwed up some travel plans. I, I wouldn't have liked it either if I'd booked flights for that, but the move paid off. The move definitely paid off. And we'll see it really pay off when some of the guys start committing the next couple of weeks or months. So just, just wanted to put that out there. Uh, now, the game, the game itself. A lot of things stood out to me, Dustin, um, but I'm the one that wrote an article on the website, so I'll give you first crack at this. What stuck out to you on Thursday night between the orange team and the blue team? What stood out to you? Yeah, Neil. Uh, first off, before getting into the game itself, I just want to say and, and kind of tag along with what you just said. I think it was a brilliant move. Um, now, the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday is sort of no man's land for events in general. Um, I know that uh, that that would have presented a challenge for my family had it remained on Saturday because um, we we you know we do a lot during that time, and I know that. Uh, Passover is a time for, for, for you that, that, um, that you were mentioning. And I know that's kind of a different schedule, but it's just something to consider um, that that time of year, the second week of, of April, when it kind of falls at the same time as Easter, it does present a little bit of a challenge. Um, so I think it was the right move for multiple reasons. Uh, like you said, recruiting, but even beyond recruiting, I think it, I think it's just really brilliant um, what Napier and, and the staff was able to put together. And, you know, they could have done it. Uh, and it could have, it could have been a bad move, but, but the way they pulled it off, um, 
it, it really was excellent. Um, as far as the game, um, Orange team had no shot. <laughs> they had no shot from the beginning. Um, the, their first drive, they missed a field goal. And the, uh, all the way to their last drive, they, uh, they were looking pretty good, but they couldn't punch it in. So the, the blue team, of course, won 34 to nothing. They looked great um, behind the shoulders and arm, and arm talent of Anthony Richardson, who threw f- for well in excess of 200 yards. Um, got, got some uh, names that, that, that we were unfamiliar with up until this spring. Um, we had Keeter. Uh, score a touchdown who was a uh, tight end. I don't recall. Um, forgive me. No, I need to, I need to do studying up on the newer guys. Is he a preferred walk on or is he a, a, a new guy with a scholarship, but Keeter uh, 48, remember him by his number. He scored a touchdown, uh, made a great catch. Also uh, um, Xander. Dante Xander's. Um, yeah. Dante Xander. Yeah. He, he looked impressive. Now, I wouldn't compare him to some of the greats that played tight end at Florida, but he's certainly holding his own in comparison to the rest of the roster. Um, I mean, was very impressed with his catching ability. Was very impressed with his um, his intelligence. Uh, the, the some of the uh, the football moves that he made after the catch was impressive as well. Um, I, I just I I'm very impressed with that, uh, and obviously we saw. Um, Henderson gets some action, Shorter gets some action, some of the other younger receivers um, were able to make some plays. But overall, Neil, you know I can go on and on about this subject, but Anthony Richardson, um, there, I, can't, I can't say enough about the guy. Um, he has improved so much as a thrower since last year. We all knew that he could run. We all knew that he had the arm talent to be able to be successful. Um, but the fact that he's making, uh, you know, collegiate in some cases, NFL type throws, just super impressive. Um, I, I, uh, anytime you're, you're throwing for, for 75%, I know it's a spring game. Um, but anytime you're throwing for 75%, uh, I think that that's, that's always, um, an accomplishment in, in, in a, in a game that is, if you think about it. Offenses really shouldn't do super well in, in the spring game um, just because defenses typically typically tend to be further along in, in, in spring-type games. And this wasn't a 34 points that was put up in, in part due to some trickeration, uh, fakery, where we had guys run, run um, off the sideline and catch touchdown passes which, which uh, unfortunately happened in previous years, that was a true, genuine 34 points that, that uh, Anthony Richardson and his team put up. So super, again, I, I mean, as I sit here in my car driving uh, through downtown Orlando, um, I'm, very, I'm very, very impressed with him. Um, as, as, the, uh, as we get closer to uh, the fall, um, I definitely want to sit down with you and, and, and do another pod where we, we look more at Anthony Richardson's game and kind of predict what 2022 could look like um, with him at the helm. That my biggest concern coming into the spring game was the tight end position. I know that we, we, had, uh, we had lost some guys uh, due to injury, um, and I was really hopeful to see Anthony Richardson rise to the equation or ri- rise up to the occasion, not equation. I got math in my brain. <laughs> um, I was hoping to see Anthony Richardson rise to the occasion. And I think, I think I can be pleased to say that he did. Um, he, he looked very good. He ran the ball a little bit. It's always hard to run when you got the white Jersey on, um, meaning you're non-contact. Uh, but it's just very impressive. It's very, very impressed all around. Neil, what, what are your thoughts? I know that I, I mainly I, I did watch the replay, but you but you watched the spring game. Yeah, um, you actually well, watched it. Yeah, well, I, I had COVID while I watched it. Like that, that was the one bad day of COVID, so it wasn't really like I was able to like sit down and laser focus. And I, I had to watch it again uh, Sunday morning. So I could like actually watch it from an academic perspective, as opposed to just oh yay go team nice run nice you know open seam nice t- no, um, but yeah so 
Noah Keeter, the the transfer from UCLA, actually came as as an um, you know he, he went to college to be an outside linebacker, and he had he and Dante Sanders both had to transfer over to the offensive side of the ball because Florida, thanks to I I, I love Mullen, man. I mean, he he won us two national championships, but oh my God, did he leave us devoid of talent in some spots, uh, like the tight end position. Like, oh, Kyle Pitts is one of the best tight ends we've ever had, if not the best. Well, that's great. But now with Kamari Gamble leaving, we've got Keon Zipper and nothing behind him. I guess Alkinus, but no depth there. And so we have to use guys on the defensive side of the ball to just spell an offense and just be bodies. And all of a sudden, they're probably two of the of the stars of the spring game. Um, I mean, they, they, they both, I think, were first and second in, in overall receiving yards. Keeter with three catches for 53 yards. There was the one nice long catch and run that he had along the sidelines, and I thought a, a better-placed defense could have stopped that. Keeter's not exactly Jeff Dempsey. He's not going to be burning guys with speed. Uh, if a defense is situated better, that doesn't happen, and you cut the angle off and you stop that for about a – a seven or eight or nine yard gains and have a 29 yard gain, but nonetheless, you know, good, good for Keeter. He blocked well enough to be able to be trusted in more than just obvious passing downs. In fact, he's probably, I don't want to say better as a blocker than a pass catcher, but he's probably equally good at those two things right now. Um, Cause you know, as a, as a linebacker, he's used to the contact. Uh, yeah. So good for him. Good for Dante Xanders. Same thing. Uh, another 50 plus receiving, yard guy on the night um i do want to caution from hyping up richardson too much because it's it's really weird to evaluate guys and they got that non-contact jersey on because they can't get hit and they know they can't get hit so there's not the, there's not the okay we got a future nfl defensive lineman like a jermaine johnson or a jordan davis someone like that or or uh Josh Pascal from Kentucky bearing down on me about to kill me. I have to somehow make this throw anyway with the knowledge that I'm about to get legally murdered in my mind. No, you don't have that. So that's not a real sort of game simulation there. So you can't really judge some of his throws when he's about to get hit there. Now, in terms of stepping up in the pocket, going through his progressions, yeah, that does kind of translate a little bit from the spring game to real games in the fall. And I like that I saw from Richardson there. Um, I am going to start by pointing out – or not start because I've been talking about Richardson for a few minutes. But I am going to make one point uh, that was negative, and, and I, I hate to be that, that guy, but – Debbie Downer Schulman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, what do you – all right, the, what, what do you want to tell me? about Kamar Wilcoxon's attempt to tackle Jamarcus Weston on that first touchdown. How would, how would you describe that? It's pretty bad. I'm like, it's that can't bad. happen. That yep. just cannot happen. Jamarcus Weston is a, is a division one college wide receiver. He's not Kadarius Tony. He's not Percy Harvin. There's no reason, no reason for that to happen. You got to bring arms, dude. You got to wrap up. And you know what? If you bring arms and you miss the tackle, okay, that happens. Guys will miss tackles. They're not perfect. But if you're going to miss and you're going to get put on a poster like that, get put on a poster with the right technique, doing the right thing, just not doing it on that, you know, doing it correctly or successfully on that play at the point where you bring them down. But Put yourself on that poster having done the right thing from a football standpoint. And like that, that just as simple as simple can be, that cannot happen if he wants to see the field in a meaningful role next year. And I like Wilcox and I'm high on him. I like, I didn't, I didn't really like his recruiting journey uh, playing footsie with Ohio state and Tennessee, but I ultimately respect him for choosing to come home to Florida, you know, making friendships with all those guys in that locker room after unequivocally pissing them off for the better part of two years. He, he mended those fences. That was a hard thing to do. He gained that respect back in the locker room. I like him for that. But, I mean, that, that, was, that, was, that was highly uh, disturbing. Let's just say that. Now, on to the good stuff because there was a lot more good stuff to talk about. Um, I'll let Dustin take over – in one second, but 
I'm going to sort of lead you into this, Dustin, the, the positive that I think a lot of fans are talking about amongst themselves that we have not talked about yet. Number 30, Mr. DeWan Black. How about that guy coming over from JUCO? We know the story by now. The long-winded recruitment. He was committed to both major schools in Mississippi, in Mississippi and Mississippi State. Backed off both of them. Committed to Dan Mullen at Florida. That got derailed. He had to go to JUCO for a couple of years. Came to Florida. Sat on the bench for no apparent reason. Did log a couple of tackles on special teams, which is nice, but did not play anywhere near the amount that he objectively should have played, especially given Florida's high level of struggles on defense in 2021 and got a chance to show what he could do on Thursday night in the spring game. And Dustin, I think he did very well. What do you have to say about him? I mean, he did everything that he was asked to do. Um, I thought he had great, I think he had, I think he, he put himself in great position. Um, he played smart and, you know, I know that it's hard with uh, the whole non-contact thing to really do the, the full gambit of what a, what a linebacker would do. Um, obviously he's not able to, you know, rush the passer and, and do stuff like that, but I thought he played well. Um, I, I thought he did great in, in, uh, in the, in stopping the run. Um, I thought he tackled well, obviously you, you and I like, you know how much I love Dewan. So when he was on defense, you know, he was kind of the person I'd be kind of gravitating toward, uh, while watching the game from the stands. And that's very impressed with him. Yeah, it's hard not to be impressed with him. He, again, I mean, just for his journey alone. Then you look at the, you know, then you look at the play itself, which was fantastic. I mean, Dewan has got the speed, he's got the strength, he's got the versatility, the athletic ability overall to be a a major player at the D one. <laughs> Dewan Black, D1 player. <laughs> D1 Black. Yeah, uh, D1 yeah. Black. I never actually made that connection until just now. But yeah, I mean, he's a special talent. The kid <laughs> is ridiculously physically gifted. Um, I mean, it, it's hard not to to take away his name as one of the winners um, from that spring game. But I mean, ultimately, a spring game is is just a, a scrimmage. It's hard to take away too much from it, Dustin. Um, but so we talked about Mr. Black. We talked about Mr. Richardson, um, talked about some of the negative on, on defense. I wrote about my winners on the website. So why don't you tell me some of your non Richardson, non do one black winners from the spring game. That's easy. Um, I'm going to give you one on defense and one on offense. So for defense, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go with Summerall. Um, I thought he played incredible. I thought he was all over the field. Um, Bowman, Demarcus Bowman would have had some big time runs if it wasn't for Summerall on his behind the whole time. Um, as far as offense, I gotta go with my man Dante Zanders. I mean, he he looked like a proper SEC tight end, and to to think, and again, you talk about some of these guys and their journeys. You think about a guy that that not too long ago was playing on the defensive side of the ball. For him to then make the transition to tight end, and I know he did play tight end at one point, so it's not a a brand new position. But still, um, the fact that he was smooth with his cuts, the fact that he was able to make catches, the fact that he was able to to uh, make plays after contact. I thought he I thought he played great. Um, like I said before, very impressed. There, there's a couple other guys I can go with on offense, but I think you're going to mention them when when you give yours, uh, based yeah. on based on what I, what I read. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't. As a general rule, I don't like to regurgitate what I wrote on an all kinds of weather dot com on the in all kinds of weather forecast. Yes, there's got to be a parallel. It is the it is the in all kinds of weather brand. I am. I am the same right. person writing and speaking. Uh, so yeah, there, there has to be some connection, but I don't like to just copy and paste what I said. The ones I wrote about, I'll mention quickly, and then I'll give uh, two others that I thought stood out from the spring game. Um, Jordan Young, the cornerback, I thought showed a very impressive ability to come downhill uh-huh. and make plays out of that corner spot. Kicker Adam Mahalik, a guy that I think – Gator fans were all impressed by him when we watched his tape, but then kind of forgot about when Trey Smack committed. Still love that name, by the way. Trey Smack, an elite name for a kicker. 
Uh, but he did very well kicking field goals of 48 and 52 yards, going four for four on extra points. Uh, Florida was pretty pretty terrible last year in the kicking game, losing two games directly because of kicking problems. Uh, Chrisman getting the field goal kick sixth by Kentucky and Alabama, uh, Chris Alabama Howard. extra point and leading to the missed two-point conversion. And uh, the last one I, I said, Noah Keeter, we talked about him too. Very nice for him. You mentioned Dante Sanders and Lloyd Summerall. So brings us to – Last point of discussion for this pod today, going to be the overall winners of the spring season for the Florida Gators. Not the spring game, but the overall winners of the spring season. So that includes the spring game. That includes all the scrimmages that happened during the spring. That includes all the practices that took place during the spring and just combining all those together. We're going to talk about who we thought the biggest winners of the spring were. Uh, we'll go one on offense and we'll go one on defense. So I'll go first. I will say offense, it it kind of has to be um, Lorenzo Lingard, the former Miami Hurricane five-star signee, turned Florida Gator transfer portal um, signee. Mr. Lingard has... I mean, he's got some competition from Demarcus Bowman. Those are two very, very good running backs that Florida got. And it would be easy to say, well, well, look at Bowman. Well, look at Lingard. Look at Bowman. Well, you got two guys that that I think a lot of Gator fans thought were going to be very, very important pieces to the Gators' puzzle at running back next year. Bowman, from what I heard, I don't have as many sources on the ground in Gainesville as I as I once did after guys on last year's team graduated, but I still do have some. Plus, I made a couple of new ones. Um, anyway, the people that are on the ground in Gainesville watching those practices tell me that Bowman has been exceptional this season or, or th- this spring for Florida. Bowman has been exceptional this spring for the Florida Gators um, at running back. Bowman's been good. He had some issues losing his footing, fumbling the ball a couple times, getting it punched out, or simply just dropping it, I think. Uh, I think on two occasions, people – I don't remember exactly, but dropping the ball a couple of times, getting it punched out fairly easily. So Lingard kind of separated himself from Bowman a little bit. Um, and he, he's just – he's a monster. He's he's so hard to bring down in the open field. He's, he's fast, first of all. He's gotten bigger. I mean, people might remember him as just being really, really fast out of high school, but he's grown. He's gotten bigger, and now he can truck you as well as juke you out. So he is going to have – I mean, Naquan Wright's also really good, so it's, like, it's hard to say he's just going to overtake him on day one. But Lingard will play a big role in this offense. I think if there's going to be an odd man out, it would most likely – be Bowman, but I mean Bowman's so good too. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to really say, but Lingard has had a fantastic spring. So I, I do think Florida will have a, a three-headed monster at running back. I would imagine, at least to start with, that it'll be Naquan and Lingard um at those at least going into summer ball. At least going into summer practices, it'll be Lingard and Wright getting the touches because Lingard has just been tremendous. Um, and the overall winner on defense for Florida, I have to say, is Jason Marshall. I mean, I, I want to say someone other than Black because we just sung his praises. Black has had a tremendous spring. But someone other than him, I'll say Jason Marshall. Um, Marshall just makes all kinds of plays in both the passing and running game. He's he, he's learned how to, how to really tackle at, at a higher level. He was always pretty freaking good in coverage. Um, but now he's, he's gotten to the point where he's recognizing plays more quickly. If he sees it's a running play, he'll, he'll get off his man. He'll disengage and he'll run up into the box and sometimes even make the tackle. Uh, if not just completely wall off the outside, if the running back wants to kind of bounce it, he'll prevent that from happening. So that's really good. Um, and, and he's just been, he's been shutting down a lot of receivers and, and you can sort of point to the fact that, well, Maybe Florida's got a problem at wide receiver, but Marshall had a, had a really good season last year, and now he looks even better in spring practices. So 
you can kind of take that as good news, bad news, both. But in terms of talking about winners of the spring season, uh, Jason Marshall is mine on defense. All right, Neil. Glad to finally have you back. I know, again, as you mentioned before, this one this one's kind of impromptu. I've been on the road um, for, for much of the, the pod. So as far as the overall winners of spring practice and, and, and this, this spring season, um, I'm, I'm going to have to double on uh, Dwan Black. Um, not only is his story impeccable, not only um, – not only is it exciting to see how much he's improved even even under Napier in the spring, but man, I, I think I think we, we both agree with the sentiment that it's just great to see him be utilized in the way that we anticipated him be utilized um, when he first committed to be a Gator. Uh, the guys, the guy bleeds orange and blue, um, and it, the fact that he's stayed the course and he's continued to be with uh, the Gators, even though. Um, his man, Dirty Dan, <laughs> sorry, I had to go there, um, left, uh, left the building. Um, okay, it's Pinhead great to see Larry. that. Uh, yeah, Pinhead Larry, Dirty Dan. I guess Pinhead Larry is uh, Todd Grantham, right? <laughs> He's just fat self, but. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, well, oh man, well, let's get, let's get back on topic. So um, I, I have to go to Duan Black, but as far as offense, a guy that we haven't really mentioned a ton, I'm going to have to go with Montreal Johnson. The guy is. Ooh, he, it's a good one. Go ahead. He, it's a good he's, one. I, I'm trying to, th- the guy's monstrous. It, and it, it's, it's kind of deceptive because he doesn't, he's not as big as some of those bruising backs, like he doesn't, he doesn't have the stature of, 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 of Damian Pierce quite yet. Um, but the dude is, is a, he's a battering ram. I mean, he moved serious piles. I was not anticipating this, this sophomore who just got out of the Sun Belt to be a bruiser of a running back. I, I knew that he would he'd be pretty fast and do that in space he do some good things but I liked how we played in in, in uh in times when he didn't have the space I was very impressed and he he scored um uh, without having the box score from me I think he scored at least a touchdown he, he did he score two or yeah, no, he was got the one. second one taken he away got- okay he scored he scored one the other one he should have gotten it but it was taken away and then I think the very next play is when Keeter um, caught the touchdown. Anyhow, man, he he played great. Um, and it wasn't just the spring game; he was turning heads all of spring. Um, even in the uh, even in the 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 pre spring conditioning program, the strength program, um, he got uh, recognition. And the last thing that I want to mention is, um, and this is something that that I don't think you you would have had the opportunity to to see. You maybe read it online, Neil. Um, but he actually got an award. Uh, he got an award um, for being the most outstanding running back uh, for, for spring ball. So it's kind of hard for me not to give it to him, um, considering how loaded our running back room is with the guys that you already mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about, about Bowman and, and Lingard and Naquan Wright, who, by the way, Naquan Wright is the one with experience at the SEC level right now, so you can't count him out. I, I mean, I was talking about Florida having a three-headed monster. I figured that there, that there would be room for Montreal Johnson at some point. Um, and, and look, Lingard had a fantastic spring. Bowman had a – it was fine. He, he, had a, he had a perfectly fine spring. Um, I didn't realize that Johnson was doing as much damage as he was doing until I saw that award get handed out. And then I started talking. I started doing some digging. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, th- this this guy is going to be real. And I never thought he wouldn't have a role in Florida's offense. But he definitely did more to demand touches than I would have thought. I would have thought that he would have been utilized kind of like – I mean, last year it was just complete incompetence. So I don't, I don't want to use that, but maybe, maybe to a degree similar to what Jordan Cronkite was used as in like 2015, 2016. Like he'll have a role in the offense. He won't be completely ignored. He will get touches, 
but there are just so many other guys who demand touches that's going to be hard for him. But now he's making it hard for everyone else to take touches away from him. So definitely, definitely a good point there. I still uh, let's you know what let's let's settle this as as the final thing on our pod. Give me your running back depth chart heading into summer ball because I've I've gone back and forth on this in my head. The people I talk to keep saying, well, Lingard's been tremendous, but Naquan's got the experience. But Montreal's also really, really look good. And then DeMarcus Bowman's for a freak of nature. So I don't know. Give me your give me your running back depth chart. I think I think all four are gonna play a ton. Um I think he I think Napier is gonna have a ton of two back sets. Um so it, I know it's sort of a cop out, uh, but I'm I'm saying that anyway. Um, now, as far as a true depth chart, if I had to pin down a one, two, three, four, one, I'm going to have to go with Montreal. Um, not only was he the primary running back for um, for the ones along with Lingard, um, but he, he really showed out. Uh, he really made plays. He scored. He, uh, as, as Napier likes to call it, the red area, um, I think he did an excellent job. So I'm going to go one, um, Montrell Johnson. I'm going to go two, Lorenzo Lingard. Very close to three, who would who'd be Demarcus Bowman. And then four would be Naquan Wright. Um, but, wow. I mean, it's really, it's really one A, one B, one C, and one D at this point. But if I had to if I had to put one, two, three, and four, I'd I'd have to go like that. How about you? Yeah, um, I I agree. It's all very close, and and I also realize that Billy Napier is not going to do the Dan Mullen thing where seniority rules and that's the only thing that dictates playing time. I I get that, but on the other hand, Naquan Wright's the only guy that's touched the ball in meaningful situations in SEC football so far. In fact, he's done it two years in a row now in 20 and in 21 he's gotten he i mean he's been relied upon in big situations for the gators so yeah new coaching staff sure but that also means that 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 there's film of him doing it in in big situations and oh by the way he did nothing to hurt himself in the spring so i i think heading into summer he's won this, this could change summer ball and and fall practices could change this i think heading into summer he's won i think lingard is two I think that, yeah, I, I think Montreal will be three, and then I think Bowman's four. But like you said, there are four very good running backs. Um, and you know what? The offensive line's got to block better. The offensive line's just been it, – it's just been awful the last three seasons in a row. So if it doesn't get better, then th- this whole conversation is academic. But if, if the offensive line continues to take steps, and remember, there are two co-offensive line coaches now in Stapleton and Rob Sale, if the offensive line continues to get better, I think Florida will have a, a really, really strong rushing attack, which, which they should because you know, that's, that's how they win in the SEC. But, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's my pick for the running back depth chart. Um, Dustin, any, any any final observations from the spring before we wrap this up? Um, I think overall it was a good spring. I think from the recruiting buzz to the actual development, um, it's going to be exciting. But I think it all comes down to a game one versus Utah. That game is going to tell us a heck of a lot. You have a very experienced, very talented, um, very – confident Utah team who's going to come into the swamp expecting to win. Uh, we got to make it the toughest environment possible for them. And what does that mean? That means that it has to be 90,000 plus in that stadium. Um, it has to be similar atmosphere, if not better than the, the Florida Alabama game atmosphere. Is that too much for me to ask for? Maybe, but is that an unreasonable expectation? I don't think so. On top of that, uh, we need to pray. Um, I know that, that you're Jewish. I'm a devout Christian. So we both we both believe in, in, in Yahweh. We both believe in God. You know, whatever you believe, pray. Pray as hard as you can because we need that to be literally the hottest game on record. It needs to be 99 degrees Fahrenheit, 100, 110 with humidity. Um, it, it needs to be 
awful for them. Utah needs to needs to feel it every play. Uh, I, I I better see um, some of them Utah players uh, coming out of the game with cramps because um, it's so hot and, and it's such a such a crazy environment for them. Well, we know um, at least one of them will be used to it. That's that's Muhammad Diabate, former Gator, who, sure. who played in it. But um, yeah, as a team, Utah has never experienced what they're going to experience in this fall. And look, I mean, they they've been to to the desert. They've been to Arizona. They've been to Arizona State. They've been to USC. They've been to UCLA. There's there's no comparison between both the atmosphere in terms of the fan rowdiness level. And the the, heat, the the wet heat, the the humid heat that's going to come at them in the in the swamp, even even if it's just seventy five and humid, that's still a hell of a lot different than what they've experienced in maybe you know seventy five and dry, or or even I mean they haven't they haven't really come here before um, to to the southeast, but it it you just you add that that wetness, you add that moisture to the heat, and it just it, it tacks on another 15 to 20 degrees in terms of the level of, of unbearability, but yeah, man, I'm excited. Um, yeah. I hate to say that, that I, I'm glad I got COVID cause it, it sucks, but I'm glad I got it now cause I'll have the antibodies. Uh, I mean, I'm still positive today as, as of late April, but I mean, I'll be good for six to nine months or so. So, you know, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be loud. I'll be, I'll, I'll be part of that. That that hopefully ninety thousand plus crowd, um, and and hopefully we can start the Billy Napier era with a bang. So you're confirming that you're going to be at the Utah game. Oh yeah, I'm going. Awesome, man. I'm going it's to be great. I'm going to Utah. I'm going to Kentucky. Uh, I'm going to South Florida. That that just worked out in a really weird way. Um, it was not planning on going to that, but I'm going to be in Charleston for work. I work for a company there. Um, and it turns out that there are enough people from Charleston going. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be there from Wednesday to Wednesday. So it turns out enough people from Charleston are going that that Saturday. It's going to be like a four and a half hour drive, but they're they're making that trip down there. I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm there for the weekend. Let's go. So right. doing that, I'm doing Missouri for the Gator Good Foundation. Doing LSU. Um, I'm doing Georgia, and I'm leaving November open as of now. I want to see. Where well, this is the perfect place to end off. Waiting to see where my guy James Houston the fourth gets drafted, what team he goes to, the schedule for the NFL is coming out uh, not too long from now, so I'll know more then about what games in the NFL I might want to travel to um, in the NFL this year. And that's the perfect segue to the last thing we got to say: the NFL draft's coming up. Florida Gators are going to have several guys taken: uh, Damian Pierce, Zach Carter, Kyer Elam. You better believe I'm counting James as the Gator. It's not his fault. Grantham was an incompetent buffoon. Uh, he, <laughs> I mean, he got he got his degree from Florida. He's a Gator. That counts. Um, yeah, hey, once a Gator, always a Gator. Yeah. So best of luck to all the former Florida Gators who are going to hear their names called um, this upcoming weekend or next weekend, I guess, depending on when you hear this. Your lives are going to change forever, and – you know, y- y- y'all have put in so much work to get to where you are now. I'm I'm happy enough for you as it is to have gotten to this point, but I'm going to be that much more happy for you when y'all hear that 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 dream of yours come true and you hear the X Y Z selects and then your name follows. So congratulations to all of y'all, and I can't wait to follow each of your careers in the NFL as you officially get paid millions for the unique skill sets that you have. Yeah, it's exciting. Very exciting. Indeed, it is. Uh, I'm actually flying down to Miami to be there for James um, at, his, at his draft party next weekend. That's going to be an experience of, of, of a lifetime for him, I'm sure. And, and I mean, for the party that I'm going to be at, every every Gator and, and every college player, in fact, who gets – selected in the NFL draft has something like this happen. They have some sort of party to celebrate their accomplishments. So, I mean, what, what I'm going to be witnessing for James is going to be happening for Carter, for Elam, for Pierce. Uh, and it, it's just going to be something that I'm sure they'll never forget. So I think that about wraps it up. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay. So how about that? Right. As I said, we're, 
Right, as I was about to say, we're about to wrap this up. The news has just broken that Carlos Del Rio Wilson, Florida what? Gator quarterback, is going to be entering the transfer portal. Wow. With a, with a note. <clears throat> says, first of all, I'd like to thank all of Gator Nation, Gator family, for welcoming me into the be- since the beginning. You are probably the best fan base in the world. I will always have love for you guys. I would also like to take I would also like to thank all the coaches for giving me the opportunity and an incredible experience. But after long discussion with my family, we feel it is best that I enter the transfer portal at this time. Thank you for everything, Gator family. Go Gators. So minus one for Florida at the QB depth. Um, Dustin, your your initial reaction to to that. Um, it is bittersweet, Neil. Uh, you know me as a quarterback guy. Um, I love all the quarterbacks. Uh, I know I've, I've spoken highly about Kitna as well um, at, at different periods in the pod. And I finally thought this was Del Rio's opportunity to make a run for um, more, uh, not necessarily more playing time because we all knew that, that uh, AR-15 would be the starter. Um but it was great to finally see him get get the the time that he deserved in the in the scrimmage. But at the end of the day, it is a business decision. He's a guy that could um, very well start at most um, non Power Five schools. Uh, he'd be a quality backup at almost any Power Five school, uh, with the exception of maybe Alabama, Georgia, um, some of the, the bigger names. But I mean, I, I think he's a guy that you know at a school like Maryland or Florida State. I know those are Power Five teams, but you know, schools like that that aren't that aren't super big. I think he can make a run and be a starter at. Um, but I mean, I would love to see him. Ironically, I, I'd love to see him at a Louisiana uh, in the Sun Belt um, or or a school like that where he can he can start and he can really uh, show show off his talent. Um, so, you know, wish him all the best. Surprising to hear it today. Uh, definitely surprising that, that, that you brought that up and no, it just broke. Yeah. But I, we, we sort of expected at least one of the backup quarterbacks to transfer. Well, so we it's got not, that with, we, I mean, that did happen. Emory transferred. Yes. I, w- I would have thought that I would have thought that, that they would have announced like within a day of each other. Uh, right. the, the timing surprises me too. Um, I mean, there just wasn't room for him. It, it's it's that it's that cut and dried. There there wasn't a spot for him. Florida made it very obvious that when when they went and got Jack Miller from Ohio State, that that told me that in Billy Napier's eyes, that Del Rio Wilson was just not a viable option for him. Um, and and you know we saw him do the same thing with Emory Jones. We saw him kind of, I, I don't want to say push him out the door, but but just basically tell him like, look, if you want to be here, that's fine. You know, we, we have nothing but respect for you as a person. You want to get your degree from Florida. We will support you in that, but we, we just don't have it in our plans for you to take meaningful snaps as the quarterback. So that's, that's just the situation here. Now, you know, you, 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 go, you go ahead and act accordingly to that. So uh, yeah, I mean, with, with Richardson as the obvious QB one, Jalen Kitna, also getting some more looks, I think, than, than Del Rio Wilson would have would have liked to see him get. And then with Miller being being imported as a backup option, there just was there was there was zero path for him to ever see the field. So doesn't mean he's not talented. He he is talented. Throws a very nice ball. Um, in high school, he certainly put together some good tape. Some you know some, some good arm strength, some good decision making there. He, he can kind of throw receivers open. I don't know that I want to see him at another um, SEC school. I, I I think he is good enough that if he went to a a Kentucky or to even a South Carolina, I mean he won't play this year with Rattler there, but you know what I mean? I don't want to see him in another school. Florida would have to play. Like I would not want him to go to Miami because Florida has to play Miami in a couple of years. And he's still got enough eligibility that we'd have to face him there. So he he's good enough that I don't want to see him go to a school that Florida would, would face in direct combat. But 
I, I do want to see him go to another Power 5 school, and, and I think he can go to another Power 5 school and succeed there. So as long as it's not a team that Florida has to face off against, obviously I wish him all the best. I've heard nothing but positive things about him. Uh, there, there just wasn't a spot for him at Florida, and, and that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. You know, I, I saw that. I saw that play out with my guy James. Um, it just wasn't a spot for him. And, and, you know, you can debate, well, if that is that the coach being incompetent or is that just the reality of the situation? But it happens a lot in college athletics that you have a talented kid at a prestigious program and it just doesn't work out for one reason or another. So wish him the best, but, you know, that's that's just the way it works. And uh, sorry to, to have to kind of end the show on a, on a down note, but – with that said, um, if you liked our show, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. We would definitely appreciate that. Um, and I think that's about all we've got. Dustin, you got anything else to say? Again, Neil, um, what a what a, what an interesting way to end the show. <laughs> um, it was an excellent spring. I know that we already talked about um, how excited we both are, uh, how much we're anticipating uh, like we discussed prior, that that game versus Utah to open up the season. Um, I know I'll be there. You'll be there. Uh, and we'll be cheering on uh, the Gators to hopefully an incredible victory and uh, once again solidifying that, that Florida is a team to be reckoned with. Um, the Gator standard isn't just words anymore. The Gator standard is going to be the product on the field. And I'm happy to say that as what I love about Napier, and I'll just say this, what I love about Napier is he's sort of a soft-spoken guy. Um, most of what he's saying is not with his words, it's with his actions. The, the infrastructure that he's put together, the staff that he's built, the players that are interested in Florida now that um, wouldn't even give Florida a second look with the previous staff, um, it's amazing. It's amazing to be a Gator and I think we're about to embark on a new era of Gator football where Florida is going to be a team that is going to be competitive for, for big time games and championships in the coming future. Yeah. Speak softly, but carry a big stick. Yep. That's, that's the impression I get. All right, y'all we'll be back soon until then stay safe, stay healthy and go Gators in all kinds of weather. We will all stick together for F L O R I D A. Yep. Go Gators. And to you, Neil, uh, I hope you get healthy again. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm good. Uh, it's just, it's just a cold, but you know, it'll go away. I'll get better. And we'll uh, we'll all, we'll all put this, this, this mess behind us and, uh, have nothing but football and, and Gator athletics to focus on. Yes, sir. Go Gators. Go Gators.